0: amen. Well, good morning, friends. Once more, I know there's a number of folks who are probably right now watching the Seahawks game. Some of them might be in the room right now um, who are <laughs> watching the scores for that. Um, <laughs> and so as we, uh, as we continue in worship here, as we continue in our, our, our sermon series here, uh, I know there's going to be some who will be joining us uh, later on this afternoon when that game concludes. But friends, we live in uh, perilous times, especially as we talk about public health, and particularly if you live in Wisconsin. Uh, You might have seen this story this last week, if you follow me on Facebook, uh, or you're friends with me on Facebook, I guess you don't follow people on Facebook here, you're friends with me on Facebook, Uh, you probably saw this article that got posted about the cannibal sandwich, also referred to as tiger meat or wildcat. Nothing like celebrating the holidays by eating a cannibal sandwich, uh, or tiger meat or wildcat. Uh, Those who are at home don't hear that there was an amen here in the room to that word. It's a popular tradition apparently in Wisconsin for Wisconsinites, uh, for some who practice this, to celebrate the holiday, celebrate Christmas and all the holiday season by eating raw ground beef that's in a sandwich form uh, with spices and onions. Uh, So popular is the tradition that uh, an article I read, the New York Times actually uh, covered this as well, Uh, That one Wisconsin deli slash butcher owner reported that during the season, they sell three to four hundred pounds of cannibal sandwich meat each day around the holidays. A health advisory was issued, of course, uh, regarding this effort to save people from the potential of a not-so-merry Christmas, preventing them from getting a gastrointestinal problems and sickness, even kidney failure, which could come from being poisoned by eating raw meat. None of these, of course, sound like a promising future. None of those sound like a promising future. There was a second story, though, reported this past week that was uh, far more hopeful. I don't know if you saw this, that MLB uh, announced that they will be reclassifying the so-called Negro Leagues uh, as one of baseball's historic major leagues. And that this recognition, which many believe, and I I would say uh, add my name to that list as well, is much overdue. And MLB announced that it was an error uh, of the special committee that was formed in 1969 uh, with the role of coming up with who these major leagues, or these historic major leagues were. But it's also, it also does something more for us than this recognition. It does something more than uh, change the classification for us here. Here's what it does. And this is, I think, this is more significant. It serves as an admission in our own generation that what was done The decision in 1969 to exclude, but also the much earlier decision uh, to separate, to participate in what we might call our own American apartheid, uh, that that was wrong. That's wrong. And the hope here is that together, we as people across this nation and and even extend that around this world, that we might enjoy a more promising future uh, than the course that was set by those past sins, what those past sins would allow. So two stories that we have this morning, pulled from the headlines. It almost sounds like a Law and Order episode. Uh, Here they are, ripped from the headlines, both of which in their own unique way seek uh, to set the hearer on a new trajectory uh, to a destination that their old course would not allow, and being that destination would be a more promising future. Curiously, I might add here that these two themes of what you eat and prejudice slash racism or exclusion uh, in that remark, are both big themes in the New Testament. Both these are themes that show up in our, in our New Testament. So apparently we're not too different in our own era than the first century was. Well, the New Testament book of Romans here, where our text comes from this morning, it outlines another way forward for folks. It has a way of, of, of talking about this movement from old life to a promised destination of its own. But when we get to Romans chapter 1, we recognize that we're a long way away from what we read in Romans chapter 16. Consider this morning, uh, the words in Romans chapter 1 are these different verses from that first chapter. What it says about the human family there. In verse 18, the human family is described with words like ungodliness and wickedness. um, That by our wickedness, we suppress the truth is even mentioned in that text. In chapter 1 verse 21 of Romans, we hear that we knew God as the writer states, but goes on to say, but we did not honor him as God or give thanks to God. Verse 23 will uh, remind us that not only do we not honor or thank God, we in turn replace God with idols. The image bearers, that's us, the ones who bear the Imago Dei, going all the way back to Genesis, instead we make our own images. We fashion gods out of what could not and is not God. We use created imagery we use animals even our own human form to create those idols and verse 28 says that full abdication of responsibility we do not even acknowledge god we step away from that we choose not to do that and so the chapter concludes with a human family in that first chapter of romans uh, who's embracing not godliness and virtue but a whole series of vices And there's a list of vices in verses 29 through 31 are quite telling here. Verse 32 even reads, they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. But what do they do? What do we do? We not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. And so you have an entire human family that's out of control. Entire chaos in creation. Not the intent of God. If you were to ask the people in this group, who their chief aim was in life. To say, what is the one thing that shapes your life? When you think about how you form your decisions and plans and your identity, their answer would not be to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. That would not be their answer. In contrast to the Genesis creation, this is a people who have abandoned their image-bearing role, have abdicated their responsibility as stewards in creation, and as a result... And also, in contrast to the desires, again, going back to Genesis chapter 3, that desire to know, seeking the knowledge of good and evil, K-N-O-W, we embody a life that is characterized by an entirely different kind of know, N-O, knowing. No worship, no wisdom, no future. But that's not what God wants for this world. That's not what God wants for you and for me. And we hear that in our text today. And we hear that throughout the book of Romans. Now, at this point, we should probably draw attention to the fact that today's reading is a doxology. And we know Linda did a great job of of that in the the kids' uh, message this morning. But it's literally a declaration of praise and glory to God. With Romans beginning with the human family's refusal uh, to give God the glory that God deserves... This ending to Romans represents a total about-face, a full embrace of that role as a worship community, announcing with one voice in verse 27, to God be the glory forever, amen. That's quite a difference. But how do we get from chapter 1 to chapter 16? How does a person move from that beginning of Romans to what we hear in chapter 16? How do we go from truth suppressor to God revealer? When we start with the one that theology starts with, the little old word theology begins with, we begin with God, theos. And we do so for good reason. God here is described in verse 25 as the one who is able. And the word here, able, is translated from a Greek word, uh, dunamai. And that word here is rendered as able, but it also holds with it the meaning of one who is capable or one who is strong and powerful. So we might say here that God is strong enough to strengthen us, if we use the the way the text is rendered here. And God does this by God's own inherent strength, another key to that word. Now, Paul earlier in Romans will express uh, a desire here when he says that he wants to share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. We see that in chapter 1, verse 11. The word behind strengthen, of course, in Paul's uh, desire is is an altogether different Greek word here. It holds the idea here of, of making one's ground firm, or, or making it more stable. And so he wants to strengthen them by the spiritual gift. But look at our text. We realize that we give glory to the one who not only dispenses such gifts, but also is able to indeed be the strong one who makes our foundation firm. And that's important, especially as we find ourselves here in this Advent season, the one that's leading up to the holiday, but even to the bigger one, as we think of this time of waiting and preparing for Christ's second advent. In our waiting we are being strengthened by God and the means that God is using for that work is described in this doxology. Paul talks about God uses my gospel. Now this isn't Paul's exclusive gospel. It's not something that he has a gospel that's different than the other early Christian disciples here but rather it talks about or speaks to that message which Paul has staked his life to. His life and ministry are defined by the gospel. Amongst early uh, Jesus followers like Paul, the gospel or good news was a proclamation concerning Jesus Christ, this message. And for Paul, the gospel is, and he'll say this early in Romans, it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that's a considerable theological shift from his Jewish contemporaries or even his Jewish ancestors. Here, Jesus embodies God's own character. Here, Jesus embodies God's own mission. Something has changed here. And, of course, Paul is not alone in this conviction of who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. We see that early in Mark's gospel, actually in Mark chapter 1, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In the beginning of the story of telling how Jesus fulfills what is described, as Mark will go on using the Isaiah text, that Jesus is a fulfillment of God's purpose and mission as outlined in the Jewish scriptures. Paul will go on to say that the revelation of the mystery talks about this language of mystery. And we saw that already when we studied Colossians together during that sermon series. Uh, This idea that mystery in the New Testament is something that's being revealed or uncovered. Uh, It's uh, using a uh, a word in Greek, mysterion, the idea that uh, there's this uh, tool that's used by apocalyptic writers uh, who will oftentimes write when they talk about this mystery or this uncovering that's to highlight some divinely uh, detail or divinely determined detail that's yet to be revealed. talks about these events that are not yet made known, but now in Christ have been made known, the heart sense the, the the purpose the mission of god is is made known in a new way here in jesus and so jesus here will identify his own kingdom message he uses that same word when he writes in when we hear in mark chapter 4 verse 11 that the kingdom of god is described as a secret uh, he's using that same greek word mysterion paul will also talk about this like i said in colossians he talks about the knowledge of god's mystery that is christ himself and so here in our text Paul will describe this mystery as including three things yet again. Uh, There's kept secret for long ages. Again, nodding towards the scripture of old, the Jewish scriptures. It's now disclosed uh, in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's made known to all nations. Again, this is not a gospel that's exclusive to Paul. It's one that he's been invited into. A message that he's come to know uh, by God's power. And it's available to all people that's a big shift that's a big shift in salvation history we hear in these that a turning point where what again I said is a theological shift has occurred that what is now disclosed calls for a particular response Jesus the one who's proclaimed here in the gospel is the one through whom God is to be glorified Know what it says in verse 27 on that point. But this shift here, again, is not unprecedented. As Paul cites the role of the prophetic writings, the Jewish scriptures themselves are a witness to God's plan. They now speak that plan to this Gentile audience. If you want to look at another text on that, on that particular note, 1 Peter, actually in the first chapter of 1 Peter, will speak more uh, to this or along the same line. But here's what we learn as we look at this text here about this plan that's now disclosed. That all nations of people might put their faith in God. That they might inhabit lives of trusting obedience. You don't have to be Jewish to enjoy God's salvation. In fact, you don't have to be any one nationality or ethnicity. In fact, it's for all the world. It's for all people. It's what one commentator has described as being called to conform to God's saving agenda, and that's now for all people in Christ. It's an overarching theme in Romans that this access has now been made available. But even more, what we hear here is the aim here of our gracious and loving and generous creator, the one who strengthens us by the gospel of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the wisdom of the only wise God, This is what God has determined to do, to make known to us. As God's people, and unlike the chaotic lives of Romans chapter one, here in Romans 16, we join our voices and our lives with that throng of worshipers who glorify God and enjoy God forever. Now that that all sounds quite lovely. Right? Doesn't that? Doesn't that sound that sounds like a nice thing? Thanks, Jimmy. That's a, that's a good reminder. <laughs> Appreciate that. I like the sound of peaceful and pleasant. But what about in this season? What about in a season where it feels particularly challenging to lend your voice? The loss of corporate in-person worship has had a toll on you. And you're saying here, I don't know what's going on. I I feel different about my faith. I feel different about my experience. I feel different about worship at this point. It's different to sing in front of your computer screen than it is to gather with God's people. And that's not entirely unexpected. In 2014, a Canadian news publication uh, ran an article in which uh, Leah McLaren noted this. British scientists have recently found that choirs boost the mental and physical health of their members goes on to write, researchers from Oxford Brooks University studied 375 people who sang alone, sang in choirs and played on sports teams and found that the choristers experienced the greatest benefits by far. Earlier studies have found choral singing to have benefits for people suffering from depression, lung disease, high blood pressure and Parkinson's. One study even found that choral singers unconsciously synchronized their heartbeats with other choir members. So if you're experiencing a loss, loss of coming together with others in corporate singing, you're not alone. And again, it's not unexpected. It's one of the great losses that this pandemic has brought, a pandemic that has brought so many losses, some even worse than this one. But even so, today's text, today's doxology reminds us to sing. And I'm reminded here of a line from the song, How Can I Keep From Singing? A line that says, What though my joys and comforts die, I know my Savior liveth. What though the darkness gather round, songs in the night he giveth. So friends, this doxology serves for us as a song, a reminder to join in that chorus and singing. Now you'll recall that the fourth spirit, and we've been talking all throughout this season including the dickens A christmas carol it's part of our series here and you'll if you've read dickens or you've seen the you've seen a movie adaptation or a stage play of this you'll remember that the fourth ghost who appears and fourth ghost remember marley's the first ghost and then you have the ghost of christmas past the ghost of christmas present and then you have this fourth ghost that shows up was well, not the ghost of christmas future when I read online a number of folks who confuse that ghost as being the ghost of Christmas future. But rather it was the ghost of Christmas yet to be. Ghost of Christmas yet to be. There's a difference here. And that difference is important. Unlike the past and the present, where Scrooge here is taking the scene episodes from his own life that either had happened or were unfolding at that moment, this yet to be was not fixed. It wasn't a fixed place where he was going to land, but instead it included events that were consistent with his present trajectory. Keep living the way you are, and this will be your future, is what we might say. The grace in all of this is that Scrooge is given a choice. He was given a choice to continue as he is or to conform to a new way of living. Of course, the tale concludes with a transformed Scrooge chooses a new way, one that offered him more life. It offered him more generosity. It offered him to be more kind. It offered him to be more just. But what about you and me? What about us? Well, Romans presents us with a picture of two paths as well. The first, a complete dereliction of duty. That's chapter one. But the second, the voice of Romans chapter 16 is one who is strengthened, by God's strength, strengthened to be a God-glorifying life. And here also on full display is the extent to which God would go so that you and I might be counted amongst the latter. Later this week, uh, we're going to hear that story anew. Christmas Eve, we're going to be enjoying together a time of worship in which we hear God's grace in word and in song as we go through lessons and carols and tell the story of salvation hope you can join us this year. It's going to be online. I know that's different. We'll be gathering together at 4 o'clock. And for those who aren't able to join us at 4, you'll be able to see it uh, as a replay uh, throughout the day. You're choosing uh, after 4 p.m. On, on YouTube. Use this year as an opportunity to invite friends and, and family to participate as well. Send, send the link around uh, on your social media or wherever to invite people to come and, and to experience that. But returning to our text, Paul's hope here is that what he describes as the my gospel would be your gospel as well that you would inhabit those story of salvation and so our our advent carol today we've had each week we had throughout the series a different carol is really not a carol at all there's no carol today in the fourth fourth week but rather just an invitation an invitation to come and to join the choir An invitation to come and lend your voice in song. An invitation for you to come and sing a doxology to offer glory to God. That you might join the the many, the many people who are characterized and laid before us in the gospel accounts. People like, uh, folks like the shepherds who were in that field. Folks that we might say, not really folks, more like angels in the heavens. Or a young woman named Mary or an elderly woman in the temple courts, or any number of people that have been healed or fed, or those who have been given new life and who write words like Paul writes here, that we might join with those in that gospel story of old, that we might also offer our own faithful response to God's mystery disclosed, that we too might give glory to God in the highest. May it be so for our lives today and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you on this day for your great love for us. Also reminded in in Romans of that love, a love that was demonstrated even while we were sinners, that Christ died for us. And so, Lord, as your people who desire to live according to your purposes, according to your wisdom, We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us by the power of the Holy Spirit today. That we might live a way that is consistent, even amidst the difficulties of pandemic, that we might know the good news and that it might shape us, inform us, that it might help us, that it might give us hope in this season. Lord, as we prepare ourselves for Christmas Day, as we prepare ourselves for Christ's coming one day, Lord, may you continue to strengthen us by your great love. And by your grace. Praise in Jesus' name.